You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, it's good to be here again at Elk Point Baptist Church. Uh, I love uh, preaching here. We're going to be in the book of Luke to start off. Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23. And a couple months ago I preached on the cross at Calvary and the cross and how it was a picture in the Old Testament of the cross, the picture of uh, Jesus Christ and typology in the New Testament as well. And we're going to be kind of continuing with that, but we're kind of going to look at it all summed up. Old Testament, New Testament, and we're going to look at the cross throughout it all. And it's going to be Luke chapter 23 and verse number 33. Luke chapter 23, verse 33, and we're just going to read one verse this morning to start. This evening. This evening. All right. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. The Bible says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hands, and the other on the left. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for saving my soul and um, bringing us here this evening, Lord. I thank you so much for the work that you've done at this church, the answered prayers, Lord, and um, bringing us a great man of God, Lord. We lift him up um, to you right now and the family and Robin as well, Lord. Help Robin get uh, saved um, because of this, Lord, and just help your will to be done with that situation. I ask that you just speak through me here tonight, Lord. Um, take away every ounce of selfishness, every ounce of me in this message whatsoever. Help me hide behind the cross of Jesus Christ more than ever, Lord, and just help me uh, bring glory to you in all that we do, Lord. Um, I praise your name. I thank you. You're my best friend, my Savior, my King, my everything, Lord. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. If what we just read does not compel you to reach others with the gospel, nothing will. If Calvary and Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross does not compel you to reach others with the gospel and be a witness, nothing will compel you. And that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. Our goal this evening is to be compelled by Calvary. Now, I looked up the word compel in the dictionary, and it means force or oblige someone to do something. It means urge, pressure, drive. So to be compelled by Calvary, you should be almost um, obligated or forced to want to reach others with the gospel, point people to Jesus Christ. We should be so um, pressured and driven to reach others with the gospel that we're willing to do whatever it takes to show people the cross of Jesus Christ. And hopefully by the end of this night, we are all forced to preach others and show others the gospel. We are all um, driven to show others the gospel. We are all compelled to show others the gospel and what it means to be saved by the grace of God. So that's what I want to look at here today, being compelled by Calvary. And we see that all throughout scriptures. Number one, Calvary was prophesied by the scriptures. The series that I did a few months ago, we looked at um, the pictures of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and just many different stories and pictures of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and how it was fulfilled perfectly of Jesus Christ in the cross in the New Testament because Christ is the central person in the Bible. 
From Genesis to Revelation, you see Jesus Christ. Christ is the central person in the Bible. Calvary is the central place in the Bible. Everything that happened in the New Testament and every, everything that happened in the Old Testament in some way points forward to Christ and the cross. And everything that happens in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ points us back to Christ and his cross. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the scarlet thread that is Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what we looked at a few months ago, how Jesus Christ was prophesied by the scriptures. How every story in some way, shape, or form in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ and the cross. We looked at Abraham and Isaac, the sacrifice of the son. And how Abraham sacrificing Isaac was a picture of God the Father sacrificing his only begotten son for us. We saw that and how it was a picture of Jesus Christ. We looked at the Passover lamb and the shedding of blood and presenting um, the, the lamb on the mercy seat. And um, the story of the Exodus where they had to put the, the blood, the, the lamb's blood on the doorpost to, to um, be saved. And how that was a picture of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. We looked at the brazen serpents and Moses holding up the brazen serpent. And the people who looked up and saw the brazen serpent were saved. And how that was a picture of Jesus Christ. And all throughout the Old Testament we see it again and again and again and again, Calvary was prophesied by the scriptures. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us was prophesied by the scriptures. And we see that again in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter number 53. Isaiah chapter 53, this whole chapter points to Jesus Christ and the cross. I just want to look at a couple of verses here to show that it was prophesied by the scriptures. Just verses 3 through 7. But we see specifically right here the cross in Calvary and how it's a picture of Jesus Christ. All the way back in Isaiah, the substitution of the sacrifice. Verses 3 through 7, the Bible says, He is despised and rejected of man. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opens not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. So in those few verses in Isaiah 53, we see the picture of Jesus Christ as our substitute, the substitute of the sacrifice. And in those verses, we see seven things... That Christ did for us as our substitutes leading up to Calvary and at the cross at Calvary. In verse 4, notice he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. In verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. In verse 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And then in verse 6, the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquities of us all. That's a picture of the substitution, what Jesus Christ literally did at Calvary. And now notice now, in these verses, we have the word our used five times, and the words we and us used one time each. You see, everything that he suffered for 
was for you and for me. He bore our sins, our shame, and our suffering at the place called Calvary. You see, Calvary was prophesied by the scriptures. Old Testament, New Testament, it was prophesied. And did you know at the cross at Calvary, when Jesus Christ hung there on the cross and bore our sins, 60 different prophecies were fulfilled at the time of Christ's crucifixion. 60 different prophecies were fulfilled at Calvary. You see, the only way you could come up with that is if it was prophesied, planned by God, and as if this was the word of God. No one else could have made that up, thrown out there years and years, hundreds and thousands of years beforehand, saying this is going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to die on the cross. He's going to do, uh, bore your sins and bear my sins, and you're going to be able to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The way, there's no way that man could have come up with that. You see, the whole reason why the Bible is written is to point us to Jesus Christ and the cross. It was prophesied by the scriptures. That's number one. Calvary was prophesied by the scriptures. But not only was it prophesied by the scriptures, number two, it was proclaimed by the Savior. You see, not only was it said in the Old Testament and said that this was going to happen, but in the New Testament, Jesus spoke of Calvary as well. He spoke of this place called Calvary. We see that in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, he alluded to that. The Bible says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. You see, he proclaimed it. He knew it was going to happen. He knew he was going to a place called Calvary. We see it again in John chapter 18, verse 37. The Bible says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So again, that's leading up to the cross at Calvary. He knew it was going to happen before the foundations of the world, the Bible says. Jesus spoke of this place called Calvary. You see, Calvary was not something that just happens. It wasn't like bad circumstances or a bad roll of the dice and this just is how it happened. No, Calvary was planned before the foundations of the world. Calvary was planned by the Almighty God. Revelation 13, verse 8, the Bible says that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world's. He's our Lamb of God. Before the foundation of the world, before it was even started, Jesus knew God had this plan that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross for us at a place called Calvary. You see, God had this plan in mind from the very beginning. God had a plan to carry out at Calvary. God had a purpose to fulfill at Calvary. And God had a people in mind at Calvary. And that's you and me. You see, there's a reason why God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us at Calvary. Because he had us in mind. He loves us with an everlasting love. For God so loved the world. You see, Jesus died on the cross at Calvary for you and I. He bore our sin so we could bear his righteousness. You see, what he went through was awful so we could experience something awesome. He would go hungry so we could be fed. 
He would go thirsty so our thirst could be quenched. He would be beaten so that we could be blessed. He would be stripped naked so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. You see, he did that for me. And he did that for you at this place called Calvary. It's something that was prophesied by the scriptures. It was proclaimed by the Savior. Jesus Christ knew it. And the Bible says when he was on the cross at Calvary, you were on his minds. He had you on his minds. If that doesn't compel us to reach others with the gospel, I don't know what will. So we see what Calvary was. It was prophesied by the scriptures. It was proclaimed by the Savior. But notice the place of Calvary as well. Number one, the place of Calvary was a place of vicious suffering. I can't even begin to describe the pain that he went through on the cross. The pain and humiliation. And not only that, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew everything. He looked into that cup. He knew the pain that he was going to go through. The humiliation, the shame. And on that cross, Jesus went through six hours of humiliation and suffering at this place called Calvary. Remember, his back had been scorched. His face had the hair plucked out of it. He had been smitten. He had experienced the crown of thorns upon his head. Now, in the heat of the day, he hangs on the cross to die the most agonizing death that was ever known to man. You see, Calvary was a place of vicious suffering. It was awful. It was terrible. But not only was Calvary a place of vicious suffering, but number two, Calvary was a place of victorious splendor. Amen. You see, because he hung on the cross and bore our sins, because he died there and had you on his mind and presented his blood on the mercy seat and rose again the third day, we have victory in Jesus. Amen. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you are saved for eternity. You cannot lose your salvation because of the place called Calvary. Amen. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Hey, it was vicious suffering. It was awful. It was unbearable. I can't even begin to think about the pain that he went through, but he did it because he knew that we could be saved by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. It's not just vicious suffering that Calvary was, but it's a place of victorious splendor. That's why we like to sing of the place called Calvary. If it just was vicious suffering, man, we wouldn't sing about it. We wouldn't talk about it. We wouldn't find hope or peace when we think of the word Calvary. But because Jesus Christ lived a sinless life... Died on the cross for us, presented his blood on the mercy seat, and again, rose again the third day. We've got victory in Jesus Christ. Now, because of that place called Calvary, we can overcome temptation. We can overcome the trials of this world. We can overcome whatever Satan has to throw at us. We can quench the fiery darts of the wicked and overcome anything that comes our way because of the place called Calvary and what Jesus did. You see, at Calvary, God turned tears into triumph. God turned darkness into light. God turned suffering into splendor. And God turned glory into glory. Amen. That's what he did at this place called Calvary. Now that should excite us. That should motivate us. And that should compel us. The word compel means force. Oblige. Urge someone to do something. Pressure us to do something. We should be compelled 
to reach others with the glorious gospel message right here. And we had, when he had come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. We should be compelled to reach others with the gospel. You see, we've got something that they don't have. We've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got the Lord of Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, in our hearts that we can talk to. We've got the Bible that the God of the universe wrote for us, wrote to his sons and daughters. We've got this, man. We've got joy that no one else can understand. We have joy regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the trials, because of what Jesus did at Calvary. That should compel us to reach others with the gospel. That should motivate us, excite us, and compel us. And you want to know something, though? And I praise the Lord for this. This place called Calvary is still compelling people for God. It still is. It still is today. And that's what happened with the Apostle Paul. He was compelled by Calvary. You know the story of the Apostle Paul? He was a persecutor to the Christians, and he hated it. And, man, the Lord showed up and said, Paul, why persecutest thou me? He gets saved. And whenever he thinks of the place called Calvary, the Bible says he was compelled. A lot of times in the New Testament, you read the epistles, he was compelled by the place called Calvary. He was compelled by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Galatians 6.14, written by the Apostle Paul. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You see, the Apostle Paul, man, he was crucified to the world to preach the gospel, to show people the glorious gospel message because of the cross of Jesus Christ. He gloried in that. He gloried in Calvary and Calvary alone. He was compelled by Calvary. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You see, the unsaved, they're not moved by this place called Calvary. They're not compelled by this place called Calvary. But praise the Lord. Blood-bought, blood-washed, born-again believers are compelled by the place called Calvary. And that's why we've got missionaries to Africa. Missionaries to Germany, missionaries all across the world making an impact because they want others to be compelled by this place called Calvary. Now that's something that we need to do. We need to be compelled by Calvary. We need to have a passion for it and point others to the glorious gospel message. And there's three reasons why we need to be compelled by Calvary and how we are compelled by Calvary. Number one, the reason for Calvary compels me to be saved. It compels me, compels us to be saved. You see, if you are not saved today, and I know I'm talking to a Wednesday night service, but if you are not saved today, you need to be. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There are not many ways to heaven. There is only one way, and that's through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and him alone, what he did at this place called Calvary. And I'm telling you, so many different times, I love hearing the testimonies of how people got saved. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. But there are many, many millions of people who have gotten saved because they thought of the agony that Jesus went through at the place called Calvary. You see, the reason for Calvary compels me to be saved. Not only that, but number two, the reaching of Calvary compels me 
to serve. Thinking about what Calvary did, what happened at this place called Calvary, thinking about what Jesus went through, man, that compels us to want to be a witness. That compels us to want to reach others with the gospel at work or at school, bringing our Bible to school. We should be compelled by this place called Calvary where we are, are not ashamed to bring a Bible to school or to hand out a gospel tract. It should compel us to serve because we can reach the world with the gospel by this glorious message of Calvary and the cross, of what Jesus Christ did. It compels us to serve. When we think about what Jesus went through, that should only motivate us to push on and to keep pressing forward, to keep on the firing line and to keep strong in the ministry, to be a witness regardless of what happens or regardless of what's going to happen with us, the persecution, whatever. We should, God forbid, we should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the sole reason why we come to church, the sole reason why we live our life. It's for the cross of Jesus Christ and Calvary, what he went through. And how we can show others the same joy that we have because of what he went through. You see, God has commanded the church to reach the world with the gospel. He didn't ask the church. He commanded the church. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the worlds and preach the gospel to every creature. All the worlds. And I praise the Lord that we are a missions-minded church. I praise the Lord for that so much. And we are contributing. We are compelling others to Calvary. We are reaching people with the gospel because what we are doing and because we are praying for those missionaries. And I praise the Lord for that. We are being compelled to serve when we're doing that. But we just, we got to remember that we got to do more, man. We've got to witness. We've got to be unashamed. And I'm preaching to myself right now. I promise you that. But we have got to witness and point people to Jesus Christ. Man, the world is ending. Jesus is returning soon. We're running out of time. We've had this beautiful message, and we know it well enough to preach the gospel. We know it well enough to be a witness, this place called Calvary. It's a story that we know of. We need to be compelled by it. So we see the reason for Calvary compels me to be saved. The reaching of Calvary compels me to serve. And then number three, the rejoicing of Calvary compels me to shout. Amen. You see, I am so thankful for that place called Calvary, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary. I'm so thankful that because of what he went through, because of the agony, because of the vicious suffering, because he had the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet and was got his beard plucked out from him because of all of that agony and all of that awful thing that he went through. Because of that, I am saved. Amen. Because Jesus Christ went through that pain, he has now saved my no good, rotten, wicked soul. I exchanged my filthy rags for Jesus Christ's righteousness. Amen. That's something to rejoice about. Amen. That's something to shout about. Amen. I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. I've got a mansion in heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus died for me personally. He died for me. That's something to shout about. The place called Calvary. He loved you so much that you were on his mind. Can you imagine that? And he bore every single sin that you have ever committed or ever will commit. Are you saved? Have you ever been saved? And man, you've slipped up. You've done something so bad and you just cannot forgive yourself. I've been there. And what comforts me and compels me to, to 
realize that I'm forgiven and to reach others with the gospel is knowing that, man, Jesus Christ knew that I was going to commit that sin all the way back at Calvary. And the sins I'm going to commit before, and he still loves me. He still called me to preach. He still blessed me with an amazing wife. Man, oh, man, my God is good, amen. I'm so thankful for my God. I'm so thankful that I'm saved. And I'm telling you, if we just take a moment to think about this place called Calvary and think about what Jesus went through at Calvary, it will motivate us. And it will compel us. Let me tell you something. There is a reason why our hymn books are filled with the sweet songs of the cross and Calvary. There's a reason why. There's a reason why we sing about it. And because it's a Bible study, I, I just, I, I enjoy reading hymns. I do. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite pastimes. And there's just a couple of songs that, man, I find comfort in, in this book, that I'm going to read to you. And I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to sing it or anything like that. But there are a few songs that really just stick out to me about the cross in Calvary. And I want you to think about this and think about the writers who wrote this, how touched they were, and how, man, the thought of Calvary compelled them to write these amazing songs, all right? Page 27. You guys don't have this book, but it's page 27. All right. <laughs> Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain one dreadful morn walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn. Facing for sinners death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding and dying for me. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friends. How can my praises ever find end? Through years unnumbered and heaven's shore, my tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding, four sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, and dying for me. That's Blessed Redeemer. You guys know this song. It's at Calvary. We've sung it many times, but there's a lot of this book, this song that is just powerful. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. And then uh, Chad Wendell isn't here, but this is Chad Wendell's favorite song, The Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross 
till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For twas that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. And then the last one, I don't know if you guys heard this before, but it's called Hallelujah for the Cross. The cross it standeth fast, hallelujah, hallelujah, defying every blast, hallelujah, hallelujah. The winds of hell are blown, the world its, its hate hath shown, yet it is not overthrown, hallelujah, for the cross. It is the old cross still, hallelujah, hallelujah. Its triumph let us tell, hallelujah, hallelujah. The grace of God here shown through Christ the blessed Son, who died for sin atone, hallelujah, for the cross. T'was here the debt was paid, hallelujah, hallelujah. Our sins on Jesus laid, hallelujah, hallelujah. So round the cross we sing, of Christ our offering, of Christ our living King, hallelujah, for the cross. I'm telling you, there's something about reading that, amen. Thinking about the cross at Calvary. The reaching of Calvary compels me to shout. Shout and think about what Jesus Christ did for you. And it will change your life, amen. Once you start thinking about how much your God loves you, that he would be willing to go through the pain and humiliation and hang there and die on the cross for us. Once you start to realize that and realize that he bore all of your sins, man, it's going to motivate you to compel others to the gospel. It's going to motivate you to live a righteous, holy life for the Lord. And it's going to help you overcome trials in your life, sin in your life, temptations in your life. It's going to do wonders in your life if you think about the place called Calvary and are compelled by it. Let's all stand. Are you compelled by Calvary? What's your number one burden in this life? Is it to reach others with the gospel? If it's not, then you're doing something wrong. I'm telling you something. I had to ask for forgiveness while I was studying this because that might not be my number one goal at times. It is now. And I pray that it continues to be. May we all be compelled by Calvary. The altar's open if you want to get right with the Lord. If you want to pray for a lost one. I'll read this definition again. Compel means to force or oblige someone to do something. Force or urge or pressure or drive someone to do something. When you think about Calvary and think about the love of Jesus Christ, are you in such a passion that you are almost forced to reach others with the gospel? If you're not to that point, then you're not compelled. 